0: If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'm here today to talk about the Joint American Academy
1: of Dermatology and National Psoriasis Foundation's Guidelines of Care for the Management and Treatment of Psoriasis with Phototherapy with Dr. Tina Butani. Dr. Butani is an assistant professor in the Department of Dermatology at the University of California, San Francisco, as well as the co-director of the Psoriasis and Skin Treatment Center, which is a comprehensive center for people with severe psoriasis and other skin diseases. Dr. Butani is also a recipient of the Discovery Grant from the National Psoriasis Foundation to explore immunological pathways and mechanisms of action involved in Geckerman therapy. Welcome, Dr. Butani.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Great. Well, let's begin by talking about the overall purpose of the phototherapy guidelines. Why were the guidelines developed?
2: Sure. So I think the um, guidelines were developed to provide a standard guide for doctors who are treating patients with psoriasis and want to use something like phototherapy as, as a treatment option.
1: So what are the different treatment modalities for phototherapy mentioned in the guidelines?
2: Yeah. So the main ones um, that are discussed the most often are uh, narrowband UVB, which I think um, a majority of the guidelines focuses on narrowband UVB. They also talk about broadband UVB. They talk about UVA phototherapy, including PUVA phototherapy. And then they, have, uh, they talk a little bit about other modalities, such as targeted phototherapy with the eczema laser, and then some of the less common modalities that are used as well.
1: And when should phototherapy treatment be considered and what modality choice is chosen based on the psoriasis area severity index or better known as PASI score?
2: Yeah. So the great thing about phototherapy is because it's, it's fairly safe without many side effects, it can really be used for anyone with psoriasis. So most often it's used for patients that have tried and failed topical therapies, but who aren't ready or for whatever reason can't be on a systemic medication or a biologic. Phototherapy is a great option for them. But like I said, you know, sometimes patients don't like to use topicals. They can treat with phototherapy. They might have other medical conditions that, you know, preclude them from using other treatments, um, and that's why they use phototherapy. But because it's pretty safe, it can be used for anyone.
1: And so narrowband UVB is one that you mentioned, and it tends to be preferred over broadband UVB. Can you explain why that is and what typically happens with the use of narrowband UVB?
2: Yeah. So narrowband UVB is usually preferred over broadband UVB because it works a little bit better for psoriasis. So that's one of the main reasons. It also has less side effects, so less chances of skin redness, less chances of burning than broadband UVB. And so that's why it's become a little more popular and more widely used. When you start with narrowband UVB, you're put in a box for a small period of time according to what's called your skin type, which is based on how easily you burn, the color of your skin, how sensitive you are to the sun. And then every subsequent treatment, the amount of light is increased slowly until we get to the point where your skin turns slightly pink, but not really quite burned. When we reach that point, we know that that's probably the maximum threshold. And then we treat just at that pinking dose. And that's kind of the ideal dose for the patient.
1: And how frequent are the treatments? Usually two to three times a week is
2: ideal. Clearance is faster if a patient is able to do three times a week, but if not, two times a week is totally adequate. That uh, frequency is continued basically until the patient is clear. And then once clear, the frequency can be decreased sometimes down to once a week.
1: And when can someone expect to see that clearance? Yeah, so usually I would say it does
2: take a little bit of time to see the effect. So at about probably about four to six weeks, patients will start to notice improvement. And then maximal improvement probably occurs at about 12 to 16 weeks.
1: We talked about this a little bit, but how often is maintenance therapy with use of narrowband UVB needed to maintain clearance? At least once a week is what's recommended. Anything less than once a
2: week will require a lot of dose adjustments. Once a week is really the minimum. So that's not too much. That's yeah, not too much. yeah, not at all. It's for most patients, it's it's a quick treatment, probably less than 10 minutes. So they kind of quickly, you know, jump into the office and, and get the treatment and can leave.
1: So switching gears here a little bit, can you please explain what PUVA is and if it should be considered as a treatment option?
2: PUVA is phototherapy that uses UVA spectrum of light versus UVB spectrum of light. And PUVA is the combination of a medication called sorolin in uh, conjunction with the UVA light. Sorolin will sensitize the skin to the UVA light. And then once uh, the UVA light hits the skin, the sorolin is activated and it creates a a wonderful treatment option for patients. The sorolin can be administered. Administered either orally in a pill form or um, topically in either a, a gel or a lotion form or by soaking the area of the body in a solution of, of sorolin. So there's a few different ways to, to give the patient sorolin. And then after about 30 minutes, the patient's put into the UVA light booth and the skin is treated. PUVA tends to be a little bit more effective than narrowband UVB, most studies um, show, but there are uh, more side effects related to, to UVA treatment. Treatment. So, so more chances of redness and burning, first of all, and then with um, with oral PUVA or systemic PUVA in the long term, there might also be an increased risk of skin cancer, particularly squamous cell carcinoma. For psoriasis, we really reserve PUVA for more treatment-resistant cases that might not respond to the narrowband UVB therapy. That's when we would we would use PUVA. Great,
1: that's a lot of good information. So. Uh- you know, talking about how much time is needed, um, we hear that travel-associated costs are sometimes an issue with receiving phototherapy treatments. Are home narrowband UVB units an option?
2: Absolutely. So um, home narrowband UVB units have become much more sophisticated, and, and there's some really nice units out there now. So, so home UVB is definitely an option. I usually recommend patients to do phototherapy in office for a few months, though, before getting a home UVB unit because I want to make sure that light therapy works for them before they invest in, in, in a home unit. So we have a rule that we usually have patients um, have in-office therapy for three months. That way they know if it's working, they can learn what to look for, what's what side effects look like, what burns might look like, and how to adjust the dosing on
1: their own at home.
2: Um, and that way, we just make sure that the patients are, are safe when they're treating
1: with their home unit. And what are the pros and cons of using a home unit? Pros, obviously, are
2: convenient, so much easier to, to treat in your in your home. And you can do it really at any time. You're not limited by the hours of the phototherapy center. Pro also is not having, like we you know, talked about, not having to travel to a phototherapy center. Cons are that, obviously, you you're not being monitored at every treatment. So um, we might not be able to be as aggressive with your treatments as we would in office. So it might take a little bit longer to get to get clear. The home UVB boxes are usually also a little less powerful than the in-office units. And so therefore, it also, it might just take a little longer to, to see the clearance.
1: And what treatments are typically combined with narrowband UVB? A lot of treatments can be combined
2: with narrowband. So topical treatments can be combined with narrowband. And I usually always recommend combining topicals because it just makes the whole process go much faster. A lot of the oral systemic agents can be combined with phototherapy. Things like methotrexate, acetretin, apremolast can can all be um, combined with phototherapy safely. And also, we have a lot of patients that will use phototherapy in conjunction with the biologics if they have some stubborn spots or they're not seeing the results that they, they want to see completely with with the biologics.
1: So you mentioned faster clearance. Are there other benefits of using combination therapy? Yeah, so um,
2: faster clearance for sure. Also, when we use combination therapy, a lot of times we can use less of each of the treatments. So for example, um, if we're treating someone with a combination of phototherapy and methotrexate, if they're using the combination, they will need less cumulative exposure to the UVB light in the long term and also less doses of methotrexate in the long term. So we're kind of optimizing the use of two different treatments by by using them together at lower doses.
1: I think a lot of patients don't realize that that's an option to do too, so it's good to yeah. talk to their doctor about. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about targeted UVB treatments, such as provided by an eczema laser. When would this type of phototherapy be used and why? Targeted treatment is great because you're only treating the affected
2: areas of skin and you're not treating normal skin. And because of that, you can be a little more aggressive in the treatments um, because we're not worried about burning the normal skin. Targeted phototherapy is great for localized lesions of psoriasis, areas such as the scalp, palms and soles, where we want kind of really local, intense therapy, and those, those areas are really good. I would say it's also a really good treatment option for areas like the lower legs, where sometimes in the phototherapy box, the intensity of light may be not as strong in the the lower parts of the box. So areas like the shins um, are a really great option for, for targeted phototherapy.
1: So how often is the frequency of visits when using an eczema laser? So ideally the frequency
2: is still at twice a week and then for maintenance um, once a week or once every other week can can
1: be maintained. A form of phototherapy mentioned in the guidelines is climatotherapy. What is climatotherapy and what are the drawbacks?
2: So climatotherapy is when patients actually go to a center, um, there's, there's different centers around the world, to get kind of a more um, holistic approach to treating their psoriasis. So the uh, most popular area that people go to is the Dead Sea. And we think that it's probably a combination of the the UVA rays being a little bit more stronger down in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea's ocean has a lot of minerals in it. So we think that that also contributes to, to healing with psoriasis. And then also just, you know, being in a relaxed environment, kind of not, you know, being away from work and not thinking about things that, that are, are stressful at home can um, decrease psychogenic stress and help with improving psoriasis. So we think it's probably multiple reasons why climatotherapy works. So like I said, the Dead Sea is the most popular one. Um, there is a treatment in Spain in the Canary Islands is another one. There is one in Iceland that a lot of people go to. But basically, it's kind of taking a step back, going somewhere that's known to be, be very beneficial for treatment of psoriasis and staying there for a period of weeks
1: to, to get treatment. Sounds like that could be a stress relief too, which is good yes, for psoriasis. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Uh, the drawbacks, I think you mentioned, are basically you know having to take the time off of work, if and and just logistically, financially, being able to to make the investment.
1: So now let's talk about the use of Geckerman therapy. I know this is something you received a grant from the MPF to explore why this form of treatment works. Can you first explain what is Geckerman therapy, and then any updates you can provide based on your research? Yeah. So Geckerman therapy is using a combination of, of U V B light
2: and crude. Coal tar. We've used crude coal tar for ages for the treatment of inflammatory skin disease. You know, since ancient Egypt, ancient India, there's documents of people using lactar for the treatment of these skin diseases. It's one of the most effective treatment regimens that we have. Um, Most patients are clear at the end of four or six weeks of treatments, which which is awesome. And really no side effects involved other than the side effects associated with phototherapy, such as redness or burning. So extremely safe. It can be used in children, pregnant women, patients with other medical problems. So so we love it here, obviously. <laughs> Interesting enough, even though black tar has been used for ages, we don't know exactly why it works or what ingredient is the most active, leading to the improvement. We also don't know which pathways are really being targeted by the use of black tar. And that was really the goal of the, the project that I'm doing currently. We are taking patients who are starting Geckerman treatment and we're taking skin biopsies um, before, during, and after treatment to see what pathways are being targeted and what changes are we really making in the immune pathways by using black tar. So we have three arms in the study. We have the Gekkerman arm where patients are getting both light and tar. We have a light-only arm, and then we have a tar-only arm. And so that way we can tease apart the changes that are being caused by each of the different things that go into Gekkerman therapy. So far, we, we don't have many preliminary results yet. We're still in the process of gathering the data, but hopefully soon we'll have some good good data that we can present at future conferences.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating, something to look forward to. And how long does that clearance last?
2: So the great thing about Gacomine therapy is it really tends to have long-term remission. So on average, patients go about four to six months before their psoriasis starts to, to return. But we've had cases of patients that can go up to two years without psoriasis coming back. So, so that's really one of the great advantages. It's a big time commitment at the beginning, but after doing it, you kind of have these, these long-term results.
1: Wow, that's fantastic! So it's surprising to me that UCSF is one of the few clinics that offer Geckerman treatment. Why is that? Yeah, so
2: you know, I think it all comes down to to uh, logistics. So obviously, you need to have space for the Geckerman patients to hang out during the day. You have to have full time staff, a couple of nurses, um, to to be able to administer the Geckerman therapy. And then you have to have the patients that are willing to take the time off and the population that needs Geckerman therapy. So so unfortunately, because of logistics. Logistics and cost. There's not many centers remaining, but but we're lucky enough to have a department that supports us. So so we're, we're able to make it work.
1: I know a lot of patients ask about is tanning booths. Can yeah. you speak a little bit to why tanning booths aren't the same as phototherapy? Right. So tanning booths use, you know, obviously
2: different bulbs than what's used in the office. And so tanning booths emit both UVA and UVB radiation. Like I mentioned before, UVA radiation um, in the long term can increase the risk of skin cancer. And that's why we have to be really careful with patients who use tanning booths. Now, if a patient lives in an area where phototherapy isn't available, I might recommend short-term courses of tanning booth. Therapy, but again, short courses are key. But long-term use can can really increase the risk of skin cancer and photo aging.
1: Not great. We don't want photo aging. <laughs> yes, absolutely, or skin cancer. So. Yeah, or skin cancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do you have any last comments about the use of phototherapy and the guidelines for people with psoriasis?
2: Like I said, I think that you know, with the advent of all these biologics and all these new systemic agents, I think sometimes phototherapy can be a little forgotten because it's not the most convenient treatment. But I would just like to remind everyone that be- it still remains one of the safest treatments. And even though it does require a little bit of legwork and a time commitment, it really does work well for, for a majority of patients. For a lot of populations that maybe can't use biologic treatments, it, it really is still one of my favorite therapies for psoriasis.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Butani, for providing an excellent review of the guidelines of the management and treatment of psoriasis with phototherapy and helping put the guidelines into perspective for us. Thanks for joining Soundbite. Thank you for having us. To continue to learn more about phototherapy options, contact the Patient Navigation Center and request the phototherapy booklet by calling 1-800-723-9166, option 1, or by email at education at psoriasis.org. We've also created a new Seasonal Flares Quick Guide to help you manage your psoriatic disease symptoms all year round. Learn how to tame your flares in the cold and hot months, as well as tips to relieve stress. Request your free Seasonal Flares Quick Guide starting December 9th.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at